today as I take a few minutes to explore medical necessity issues surrounding patients who can ambulate and how that fact alone may affect billing for an ambulance transport. Today on the QMC Board and Caller. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Caller, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Caller podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. Any claim for payment billed for ambulance transport must meet a medical necessity definition. The most stringent of those rules are the Medicare and Medicaid rules. However, we often find that there are tie-ins between the Medicare and Medicaid rules to many of the commercial insurance payers who follow some of the same payment rules when defining a patient's medical necessity. Always know who you are billing and understand how they define a medically necessary patient transport. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, national payment policy employs this explanation. Medicare covers ambulance services only if furnished to a beneficiary whose medical condition at the time of transport is such that transportation by any other means would endanger the patient's health. Using this as a point of reference, let's look at some possible scenarios for today's discussion. Any one of us who has spent time in the field knows well that there are times when very ill or injured patients present to us as ambulatory. As one example, I can't tell you the number of times persons in the throes of a major cardiac event have walked to the ambulance, complaining of severe chest pain, they're pale, they're sweaty. You know the routine, you've seen it before. So, to represent that any given patient cannot meet medical necessity for ambulance treatment and transport and, by extension, deny reimbursement based on whether the patient can walk or not is truly not realistic. Note, in the expert I mentioned from the payment policy, there is no mention of the patient's ability to ambulate or not ambulate. The focus is on whether or not the patient's condition is such that transportation by any other means would be contraindicated given the patient's medical condition at the time of the transport. Walking patients can fit the definition of being medically necessary, but we caution that providers should clearly document the circumstances of the incident concisely and clearly using clear clinical documentation representing the scenario to support the medical necessity. We all know that we are often alerted via 911 to respond to quote-unquote emergencies that are anything but emergencies. When documenting non-emergency or routine transports, repetitive or non-repetitive, here's where things can change drastically. In my opinion, patients who can ambulate and move about typically can be transported by other means safely and do not need an ambulance when the scenario is not life-threatening or is of a routine pre-scheduled nature. I find it is very rare that a patient who can walk needs an ambulance vehicle to move from one place to another, even if the patient has standing medical history issues when the patient is not suffering a life-threatening emergency. But when considering non-emergency slash routine scenarios for billing, 
We are often questioned about patients who have obstacles such as steps or barriers to moving in and out of the origin and or destination location, such as residences, hospitals, etc. I've also filled questions from persons who call our office to question the medical necessity and reasonableness of ambulance transports based on whether or not there are barriers in transferring the patient. For example, there are times when we will be asked if ambulance transport and later payment for that transport is justified simply because the patient can't be easily transferred from a wheelchair to an examination table and or other device for treatment. Frankly, Medicare, most states' Medicaids, and many commercial insurance payers do not feel that they should be responsible to reimburse the ambulance providers for claims submitted simply because the means to move the patient from one place to another isn't readily accessible upon arrival at the destination. Furthermore, those same payers do not feel they should pay for ambulance transportation simply because a patient has stairs leading to and from a residence causing a barrier for movement. If the patient can be safely transported without endangering the patient's health while seated in a wheelchair, seated in a vehicle, taxi cab, public transit, or any other means and the patient does not require treatment and or train monitoring of skilled ambulance personnel, then those same insurance payers will ultimately consider the patient to be not medically necessary for ambulance transport and not allow payment for said ambulance transport. The issue of whether or not there are barriers to moving the patient to and from a location or surface should not come into consideration when considering medical necessity in these cases. I strongly suggest that every billing office carefully review each and every EPCR prior to billing, especially when the patient is documented as being ambulatory. The patient's medical necessity must be established before billing to a payer source. A walking patient will most definitely raise major flags for review of the claim. I hope you found this information helpful and informative. My name is Gary Harbat. I'm the Director of Client Services with QuickMed Claims. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great day, and hey, be safe out there.